series, uh, message series. Uh, so, well, some of y'all, anyway, in, in about four weeks, the Sunday after Mother's Day, we've got Mother's Day coming up, man. So, listen, if you've got young kids and your wife says, hey, I didn't get a Mother's Day, don't you dare say, well, I'm not your mother. Uh, if you've got kids that cannot go out, you better do your job. Amen? Well, man, that y'all, y'all going to be rough today. It's, it's going to be a rough crowd. Um, but I'm going to start a series. Man, Glenda is just messing with me. I'm trying to figure out what she's doing. I figured out she's counting. I'm like, what in the world is going on? She's looking for somebody. They've identified somebody. Hey, we're going to be starting a series called Residue. Residue, that's something left over. Uh, and because I believe what we just celebrated Easter, if we believe that actually happened, Jesus died, he rose from the dead, there should be something left over. There should be something to say, yes, this actually happened. There should be a residue, something there that says this took place. And so we're going to be talking about that. Also, Mother's Day, man, y'all get to hear from Pastor Kelly. I mean, Kelly. I'm Kelly. <laughs> Pastor Casey. I was excited about hearing from myself. Today, you get to hear from Pastor Kelly. And I am pumped about it. Uh, so, hey, let me start off by asking a couple of questions. And participation is required. Please just... Let me know by raise a hand, uh, a shout, something. But if you're a follower of Jesus, who would say, you know what, PK? I want to be used by God. That's something I want. All right? Uh, How many would say, I would love to see revival break out in my family. I've got people I want to see saved. I want to, come on. How many would say, PK, I would love to see God just totally eradicate the addiction epidemic that's going on right now. Absolutely. Good. You're in the right place. And we're going to come back to that here in a little bit. Anybody um, heard of, watched the show called Storage Wars? Yeah. Uh, Matt, yup, yup, yup. It's filled with different characters. You've got Daryl, the gambler. You've got uh, Barry, the collector. You've got everybody's favorite person to hate on the show, Dave Hester. Yup, yup. Yeah, some of y'all know. But let me, if you don't, not familiar with the show, let me give you the premise of the show. Uh, it takes place in California. And in California, when a rental unit has a locker that stores stuff, if it's not been paid up in three months, if, if it falls three months behind, State law says the owner of that system, can, that unit, can take that unit and auction it off to the highest bidder. They don't have to have your permission. They don't have to get away. No, if you're behind three months, they're allowed to take that. You bid on the locker under the assumption that there's something good in that locker. Because what you get to do, you get five minutes to examine. You cannot go inside the locker, though. You cannot even touch anything inside the locker. All you got to do is eyeball it. See, what is it? Does it look like there's anything valuable in there? And there have been some incredible finds. Um, 
In one episode, Jared and Brandy, they paid $230 for a locker that had seven cardboard boxes. That's all they could see, cardboard boxes. Well, in one of those cardboard boxes was official Star Trek prop replicas with certificates of authenticity that they sold for over $4,000. Pretty good investment, right? $230. Uh, Barry, the collector, paid $1,700 for a locker, locker that was filled with spare car and motorcycle parts. He made a profit of $10,000 off that locker. Yeah, but you got to be willing to put the money out there first. Uh, one bidder paid $400 for a locker that looked like it was full of nothing but junk. Well, in that junk was an old trunk, and when it was opened, it contained $24,000 cash. How many like to find that? Now, don't y'all be going up here and looking online at storage wars. Where can we go? Because chances are, well, let's move on. But those are just a few to give you the premise of the show. You have no idea whether you're making a good buy or bad buy. With that in mind, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, I'm going to bring it up on the screens here. Um, 2 Kings chapter 4. It opens up with Elisha being approached by this woman, this widow. Her husband has just died. Her husband had something to do with the prophets. He was in the company of prophets. Uh, she had let, died, left her to raise their two sons. Well, he had also had inquired some debt. And in this culture... By law, if you died leaving debt, you could not just, your wife, your kids couldn't just go file bankruptcy and, and, and get rid of it. No, whoever you were in debt to had the right to come in, take your children, and work them as slaves until the debt was paid off. And that's what is about to happen in this. That's where we're diving in, Second Kings 4, starting with verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She replied, Your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. Now, if you're someone that underlines or highlights things in their Bible, underline that small jar. In the original, if you look up the original language, it means this, a flask or small jug. And, and, and this is very interesting because when I did a deep dive into this this past week, hear what I found out because it says olive oil. The original does not say olive oil. It says oil. And most theologians believe this, what she was referencing when she says, I only have a small flask of oil. She was talking about anointing oil. Anointing oil. He says, what do you have in your house? She says, I don't have anything except a small flask of anointing oil. The creditor is coming to take her children. 
the next generation of her family is going to have to pay for what the previous generation did or failed to do. Can I tell you that's happening in our world right now? We're seeing a generation pay for what past generations did or failed to do. Failed to step up. Failed to take a stand. Did nothing. Are you with me? Parents with young kids, what you do or don't do will have a drastic effect on that generation you're raising. I'm telling you, we... Whether you want to realize it or not, we, as followers of Jesus, we are at war. We are at war. You can act like we're not, but the truth is we are. Y'all know me. I am a music guy. I love every sort of music. You get on my, uh, my playlist, you'll hear everything. I mean, I go to the gym, and, man, I'm zoning out to something that you're probably like, uh, that don't sound good. But I love it because it's, it's getting my blood pumping. So I've got everything on there. But as I watch the, everything from the Grammys to the Country Music Awards, they're all putting images in front of this generation and portraying a truth that is actually a lie. And the sad thing is this, this generation doesn't even realize it's a lie. They're just having fun. They're just being their true selves. And we wonder why the addiction rate is at an all-time high in our country. We wonder why suicide occurs. We wonder why girls, our girls, struggle with their self-esteem. And the mass shootings that we're seeing. And let me stop here for a minute. I'm not a, I don't get involved a lot in politics at all. But let me say this about the shootings, about things that are, that are going on. I need you to stay with me. I just wonder when we, when will our nation see that this is not a gun issue? It's a sin issue. It's a spiritual issue. It is a mental health issue. And until we start trying to put band-aids on a cancer, it will continue to go on. Because we can put, you can put, take, you can make a law that says nobody can own guns. You think that's going to stop it? All we're doing is putting band-aids on a deep cut where we're going to bleed out. And we got to realize, I'm telling you guys, we are at war. The church, actual, here, the, the mass shooting that took place a couple of weeks ago uh, over in Nashville, or the, I think it's the Nashville area, right? Uh, that, that took place. Here, here's what I have a heart. They know the shooter was targeting Christians at a Christian school. Yet not one news outlet identified this as a hate crime. Why? Because the Christian belief does not line up with the ideology of the world today. And I'm telling you, if you don't think the church is under attack, and 
I, I heard a guy named Banning Leach, or a pastor I follow with Jesus Culture, said this a couple weeks ago. I was listening to his, uh, his podcast. And he, he said, you know, uh, surveys are showing that, that there's a decline in Christianity in America. He said, I don't believe that's true. I do believe there's a decline in social Christianity. In other words, people that used to, used to just thought, yeah, I'm a Christian, and that meant they weren't anything else, you know. But the time is now when if you say you're a Christian, you better expect adversity. You better expect uh, uh, things not going your way. Because I'm telling you, we again, I'm going to harp on this for a minute. We are at war. Don't tell me we're not. When the ones that are saying, no, hey, a child. I'm talking about 10 years old and un under. When the ones that are saying a child should not be subjected to a drag show. When, when, when the ones that are saying, hey, a child should not be taught, a 10-year-old or under, should not be taught in school different sexual positions, what sex is, what is, when, when we're at in a fight, you know when I grew up, you know what we called that? Pedophiles. But when the ones that are saying those things are made to look like the bad guy, something's wrong. And I think we very, now I do think this, I think there's a way to say it in love. And I'm saying it like this because I'm assuming y'all are my people. Now I know what happens when you assume. So that may have just happened. But I also know this, if the church, we've got to say these things, but we cannot just stand out on the street shouting them with hateful voices. We have to do it with love and compassion. Wow, that got away. So let's go. <laughs> I'm telling you, the enemy is trying to enslave this generation, guys. And could it be that the only thing standing between this generation being enslaved and their freedom is just a little flask of oil? Some of you here today, you know the feeling of being enslaved to something. You know the feeling of something getting its grips on you and you can't break free from it. Could it be the only thing standing between you and your freedom? It's just a small jar of oil. See, the Bible, anybody know what? The Bible, in the Bible, what is oil usually representative of? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Can I tell you the only thing that is going to keep this generation from being enslaved, the only thing that is going to break the chains of people that are already trapped, let, stay with me, it's not another Bible study. It's not another self-help program. The only thing that is going to bring freedom is allowing the oil of Holy Spirit to begin to flow and operate in our lives. That's it. Now... Do I think you should be part of a discipleship group? Absolutely you should. Do I think you ought to have a Bible reading program? Absolutely I think you should. Do I think you need to show up at CR or AA? Absolutely. But recognize this. Those things are only supplements to what Holy Spirit is wanting to do. Man, I feel like I, first service they heard me preach. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm usually a teacher. 
But I feel, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll do a pre-teacher today. Let's get back to the story before I get ahead. Elisha asked this woman the question, what do you have in your house? I believe that's the same question he's asking us today. And here's why this question is so important to you and your walk and your freedom. If you're taking notes, what you have in your house can either bring you a miracle or keep you from one. What you have in your house, this, this thing that Denise has been going through here lately, I, I've noticed it. What we have in our house can either bring a miracle or keep her from one. What we have in our refrigerator, our cabinets, See, see we, when we finally figured out what's going on with her, but she has been put on a strict diet. So what is in our cabinets has the ability to either bring a miracle to her or keep her from one. Some of you, what's in your house is keeping you from the miracle that you need. I, I, I'm telling you, there are things that you've brought into your house that have no place being in your house. Things from your past, things from your childhood, things that you thought were just nonsense, but you've been trying to figure out why there's no peace in your house or lasting peace or you can't break free. And some of you just need to do, have a house cleaning and clean out the house. Elisha said, what do you have in your house? Her response, I don't have anything except a little jar of oil. That's how some of y'all feel today. I don't have anything. At least nothing worth mentioning. You know where I'm from. You know my background. You know my past. You know the things I've did where I grew up. I don't have anything except a small jar of oil. And what God is saying to you today is what Elisha has pretty much said to that woman. Just a, just, just a small, just a little bit of oil. Perfect. You've got exactly what I need. See, here's the thing. The oil is not the problem. The problem is, is there an open container? Is there something that the oil can flow into? Because the oil's not the problem. You, are, you understand that, right? The problem in, in this story is not the oil, and you'll see it. The problem and the question here, is there a container, a vessel for the oil to go into? And the problem has never been the oil. The problem from the beginning to now has always been, is there a willing vessel for the oil to be poured into? Verse 3, look at this. Elijah said to her, well, go around. Ask all your neighbors for empty jars, and don't just ask for a few. Here, I, here's what I want you to notice about what Elisha told her. The prophet didn't say, oh, you don't have anything to put the oil into? You stay right here, sweetheart. I'm going to go around and ask all your neighbors for it, and then I'll be right back. Is that what he said? He said, you go. You go. You go find something that God can pour in oil into. And don't just get a few. Get every container that you can find. And where did he tell the woman to go to? Where? Her neighbors. 
neighbors. I don't like my neighbors knowing what's, that I'm struggling. I don't want my neighbors to know I'm going through anything. And Elisha said, hey, go tell someone what you're going through. Go let somebody know the issue that you're dealing with. And here's the thing I found. We're really good about saying this to people. Man, I'm here. You, you can say anything to me. It's right here. It's safe for me. I, I'm, I'm good. But man, when it comes to where we're the ones that need to tell somebody what we're going through, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Nobody wants to think the pastor's going through something. Come on. Nobody wants to think the pastor just cussed out everybody uh, in, the, in the store. And I haven't this week. No. Nobody wants to think that. But I'm telling you, that's what Elijah said. You know where your miracle's going to lie? Part of your miracle? James 5, 16, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it like this. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Why? So that you may be. So that you can be what? Confess your struggles. Confess what you're going through. Now, let me say this. And I tell the men in our discipleship group this. I'm very, and I, I'm very adamant about this. What we say in that group meeting stays in that group meeting. I'm getting a little bit of feedback or something. I'm not sure what it is. Because here, I'm telling you, once you break a man's trust, that man will hardly ever open up again. So I'm telling you, don't just go to anybody, tell them what you're going through. Because I'm going to tell you, you may go to somebody and they tell you something that makes you feel good, but it's not what you need to hear or what you need to do. You need to go somebody that, that you trust, that you know is full of God, that you know will tell you even the hard truths at times. Elisha told the woman, go, go tell your neighbors you need some jars. And don't just settle for a few. Tell them you need everything they've got. And here's a lot what Elisha was saying to this woman. You decide how much you want God to do in your life. You do. You want God just to do a little bit? You want, you want God just to do enough to make you feel good about that sin? Just get a couple of jars. But if you want something that's going to sustain you, something that's going to hold you up, you get as many jars as you can. And I find a lot of times, in this social Christianity game, all we want at the altar is enough to last us till we want something else. And we don't get filled up enough with, think, with the oil that will sustain us and carry us through. I want a miracle that's going to sustain me. Are you hearing me? Here, here's the truth, what's bar. The problem is not and never has been that there's a lack of oil. The addiction problem that 99% that of this church is dealing with in some shape or form, it's not because there's a lack of oil. 
The immorality that we're seeing going on is not because there's a lack of oil. The broken people in our communities is not because there's a lack of oil. Here's the problem. Is there a vessel that would allow him to fill and flow through? That's the problem. Elisha says, you decide. What, how, how big of a miracle do you want? Verse 4. When you get those jars, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her. And she kept pouring. If you got that stuff about ready, is it? Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just making sure we're, we're going to be good to go. Royal. His hat says royal, so I call him that. Let's, let's look at his scripture. She went, asked all her neighbors for jars, and then the prophet told her to do what next? What? Go inside and do what? Shut the door. So what did she do? She went inside and shut the door. There comes a time in every follower of Jesus' life that you have to do what God tells you to do and shut the door on some things. Oh, listen, it's, it's about to get, I, you're either going to get offended really quick or you're going to say, man, that's hard, that's true, and I need to listen. But some of you need to shut the door on some things in your life. Some of you need to shut the door on some people in your life. Some relationships, some friendships in your life. Some of you need to shut the door on who you allow to slide into your DMs. I'm just going to let that linger there for a minute. Now, some of you are going, whoa, DMs? What? What's he talking about? <laughs> some of you need to shut the door on some influences that you've been allowing to speak into you and tell you something that God would never say to you. Shut the door. Shut the door on some things, some people, some voices that are not pushing and encouraging you to be the person God created you to be. Shut the door. I'm going to tell you, for a lot of you, your biggest breakthrough that you need would simply come through you shutting a door. Amen, Pastor Kelly. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm telling you, if you'd shut the door on that relationship, Instead of when you're at home on a Friday night lonely and you think, man, some company would be nice right now. Come on, I know I'm speaking truth. If you'd shut the door on those voices that are telling you things that you know is not pleasing to God and if you'd shut those doors and say, God, you know what? I'm tired of trying to fill my life on my own because it keeps living, get, leaving me empty. I'll be a vessel. Just fill me. I'm telling you, what impact could we have in our world? Stacy Stacy Harris, he, he was here at the 9 a.m. This guy, every morning, me and about four other guys, we get a text from Stacy Harris. It's a scripture. It's all it is, the scripture. Me, I read that scripture. I'll put a thumbs up emoji, a heart, love it. That's pretty much it. That's all you're going to get out of me. I'm not, I'm not 
big on that. Scott Shaw, if you know what Scott Shaw, this guy will write a paragraph. And I mean, he, and it's good stuff. I'm like, good Lord, why, why can't I think of that? Well, this past Monday, Stacy sent out his text with Psalm 24:1. The, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Scott follows up. And I'm going to show you a picture of what Scott sent. Bring that picture up. It was a full page. He didn't mind text. He didn't bother texting it out. He just sent a picture of what he sent. But man, as I began to read it, and I'm studying for this message. Some things he said in that stuck out to me. He said this, each person is like a straw that reaches from heaven to earth. And then he goes on to talk about how sludge can get in that straw and impede what's the connection of what God is wanting to send down. And what's going on? There, there's something blocking the connection. It's there. Let, let, let me explain this way. I know my crowd. So I love, now I can't, I can't get them as much as I like to anymore. And I love Shoney's. Not Shoney's. I love Sonny. Well, I said Shoney's. Sonic shakes. Chocolate. And I don't, I don't eat all the frou-frou stuff. Chocolate shake. I don't want whipped cream because that's just wasting room where more shake can get. I don't even want a cherry because you take that cherry, they can get a little more in there. I just want the shake. How, anybody ever had a sonic shake? Anybody ever passed out trying to suck that shake through a straw? I mean, you're like, I mean, I'm like, is this chocolate-flavored cement that I'm sucking through this? And I have to let it sit there for a while. In fact, my son-in-law, Josh, Josh, he sent a, a message to Sonic saying, you need to get bigger straws for your shakes. But my point is this, man. You've got all that goodness. And you've got the connection. But there is something impeding the flow. I wonder how many of us, we live our life struggling. We, we live our life with no peace. We live our life struggling with this sin or this addiction. We live, our marriage is doing this. And it's not that there's a problem with what God is wanting to do. But there's something impeding the flow of what God wants to do. And there's some of you. You know what it's like to once walk in that where the oil was fresh in you every day. But something has happened. And I'm telling you, I think we've got to back up and look. Look at relationships. Look at, look at influences. Look at things where we're allowing in, in our lives and into our minds. And say, man, is this, is this it, God? Because I need the oil flowing again. Church, anybody... Anybody want the oil of God to be, I want it to be so thick in me. You ever walk where, like, you walk through somebody spilled oil and you walk through it, and now everywhere you go, you're leaving residue behind? 
Hey, that goes my message. I want to be so full of Holy Spirit that that's what happens to me. If I go to Walmart, everywhere I walk, I'm leaving residue for somebody else to step in, and they might not even know they're getting it on them, but it's going to open the door. Denise and I sat down. Um, this is way before centuries. Went to Applebee's to eat, and the place was full, so they said, hey, do you mind sitting at the bar? And I'm like, man, I don't mind. I'm just eating. I'm not. We sat down at the bar, and sure enough, sat by two people that recognized me. <laughs> not because they'd been here at the church once. And I looked over to Denise, and I said, God has set us up. <laughs> and I began to talk to this man about what God was doing. He's sitting there drinking his beer. I'm drinking mine, sweet tea. And he's drinking her water. And God began to use us. I'm gonna tell, I want to be that full of God where it doesn't matter where I'm at. The oil is flowing. Let's look at this again. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her son. The, the, uh, they brought the jars to her. She kept pouring. Verse 6. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he said, there's not a jar left. Then what happened? The oil didn't run out. It stopped flowing. There's a big difference. See, why did the oil stop flowing? There was not another container to put it in. If they had more containers, guess what? The oil would have kept flowing. Would have kept pouring in there. As long as there's a container. Miss Faye was here at the 9 a.m. I bring, without fail, man, when she's work, she works, I think, Monday through Thursday. When I hear her car pull in at 9, I'm bringing her coffee. I put, I put my, the Keurig, put it on there, and bring it to her. In fact, this past Thursday, uh, I, I, she must have known, not, not known I was there, but I heard her pull in before she ever got it. I'd already had it. She gets in her office. I go in there. I said, here's your coffee. She goes, man, that was fast, Pastor. Now, let me ask you, what would happen if I made me a big old pot of coffee? And I said, hey, Faye, would you like some coffee? And she goes, sure. I said, well, hold your hands open. Wouldn't that be crazy? Why? Because that coffee needs a container to go into. I'm telling you, the anointing of coffee beans needs something to go into to bring life into me every morning. Are you hearing me? Now, let me ask a question here. Anybody like pizza? Come on down. Anybody like pizza? Anybody like pepperoni pizza? Oh, I love pizza, but because the older, I, the older I'm getting, pizza does not love me. And, and uh, I'm telling you this, if you've never tried this, you want to increase your pizza game. Dip that pizza in ranch sauce. Oh, my, oh, my, I get a word from the Lord every time I do that. 
But my wife will tell me now every time I start to eat pizza, you know what that's because I'm trying to stick with this diet they've got her on. But I'm weak, folks. When it comes to pizza and tacos, I am weak. And uh, so I'll go get me a pizza. You know what that's going to do to you? And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. And, and the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the camera was on her face right now. <laughs> so, but I know what it's going to do. But I love pizza. Now, who says you really, really love pizza? Because I want to give some. I want to give somebody a pizza. Who wants a free pizza today? You, come on up here, man. Now, one of these one of these boxes has a now, and this is not leftover pizza from CR or something like that. It's, I had my uh, good point. Um, uh, <laughs> but one of them has a pizza. One of them does not have a pizza. You can't pick it up. But what I am going to do is let you just touch it and you tell me which box you want. You, hey, you can smell it. You just can't pick it up. You can smell it. You're going to go with this one. There you go, man. Here, take that pizza with you. Uh, this one only had a $50 bill in it. Uh, Winner, winner, pizza dinner. Uh, what you need to understand, this box, it's just a 50-cent box. That's it. 50-cent box. What makes this box valuable is what's inside it. Are you hearing me? But, but like, what's your name again, man? Noah, what, what Noah did is what a lot of us do in life. We've got the two choices. And this is what we think, oh, man, yeah, this is what I want. I got to, uh, and we pick that up because it satisfies us temporarily when the other box has got something in us that will sustain us even longer. Let me tell you this. If you're taking notes, the container does not give value to the oil. The oil is what gives value to the container. Are you, are you following me? See, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you can fill that container. You can fill your container with anything you want, and it can make you feel uh, so full. But at the end of the day, it's just like Chinese food. An hour later, you feel hungry again. It was so good, but now you're hungry again. Why? Because you chose something that would not sustain you for very long. When are we going to learn to fill the container that God has given us with something that sustains us, with something that can carry us, that was something when we're walking through, uh, through a dark place, we know we can open this container up and it's going to have exactly what we need. Tell me, God, at the end of the day, you and I are just 50-cent boxes. 
What makes us valuable is what we allow inside of us. I'm telling you guys. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And if I can get the team to come on up. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It was given to you by God. Can I tell you this? Satan hates you as a vessel. Hates you. And he knows this. He is powerless against the oil. So his only option, since he can't do anything about the oil, is to destroy the container. Destroy the vessel that the oil is to be poured into. His only option is to confuse the vessel. Make the vessel think it's something other than what God says it is. To lie to the vessel. It, so let me tell you, it matters what you do with your body, guys. It matters what you put into it. It matters because God is looking for a vessel that he can flow through. And you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to make yourself available. See, at the end of the day, just like storage wars, you're either a container of trash or a container of treasure. The thing is, you get to choose. So you're a storage container, and there is a war going on, not for what's on the inside, but for who gets to put what on the inside. There's a battle going on for you as a container. Satan wants to own you and fill you with lies, fill you with bitterness, fill you with unforgiveness, fill you with deceit, with anger, more questions than answers. And God is saying, hey, I want to fill you with truth, with my spirit. I want to fill you with grace, with purpose, with belonging. See, in the show, Storage Awards, what? the winning bidder gets has previously been determined by the person that was renting the container. Listen to me, what this world gets, what your children get, what your spouse gets is what you've determined goes into your container. That's what they're going to get. The oil is not the problem. He's looking for vessels, guys. He's saying, just give me a vessel, and I'll give you purpose. Give me a vessel, and I'll give you meaning. Give me a vessel, and I'll give you the power to change your world. Give me a vessel, and I'll give you the power to that thing that has been in your family for generations, that, that trouble, that problem, that thing that you just it just gets passed down. Give me a vessel. I'll give you the power to break that off where future generations don't have to deal with it. See, when Jesus walked this earth, he was the perfect vessel. Amen? And the enemy knew can't destroy the oil so let me try to destroy the vessel and you saw this played out in our, our centuries that they beat him until he was unrecognizable 
cat of nine tails tore his flesh to where they say you could see, actually see the entrails of him. They took a thorn, a crown of thorns, put it inside, I mean, pressed it hard down into his head. They took nails and drove them in his hands and feet. And then to top it off, put a spear in his side. Why? Because the enemy was trying with everything he could to destroy the vessel. But there hanging on the cross, Jesus makes a statement. It is finished. And I want you to know, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And they took his body down from the cross. I love it. They put him in a borrowed tomb. Jesus is like, listen, all I need is an Airbnb for three nights. I don't need nothing permanent. Give me that for three, and then I'm good to go. You and I, guys, we are the body of Christ. And we are now the vessel that he wants to fill and flow through. Listen to me close. Holy Spirit, young people, he's not going to show up at your school and, and be a witness to your friends. Holy Spirit's not going to show up uh, and be a, be a light at where you work or in your community. Holy Spirit's not going to show up in your workplace. He's not going to show up in your neighborhood. But if he can get a vessel... That vessel shows up full of the oil. Oh, man. Again, the oil has never been the problem. Revival has never been the problem. It needs a willing vessel. Somebody willing to step outside of their comfort zone. Somebody willing to not always be liked. Somebody willing to stand up and speak up. Pray for their friends. Their co-workers, their neighbors. Somebody willing to just allow him to flow through you. Bob, Holy Spirit's not going to write another worship song. Holy Spirit's not going to show up at a single mom or a widow with groceries for the week to help them. Holy Spirit's not going to show up to help mow a yard or help a family in need. But if he can get a vessel... Casey said it this past this past Thursday they gave out more blue chips than, than what they had I'm convinced watch Bar Community Church the harvest is not the problem in fact the Bible says hey the harvest is great but the workers are few the harvest is not the problem God's going to bring them in the problem is, are there going to be enough people filled with the oil of His Spirit that can take that oil and put it on the brokenness of people's lives, put it on the addiction, put it on the people that need God to move in their lives? I don't want to just pastor a church. I want to pastor a group of people that decided that casual, social Christianity is not what they want to be. They want to be disciples. Now, I tell you this, young people that are in school, 
You're the answer to your school. You're the answer to your workplace. You're the answer to your friends, your family. Oh, PK, Jesus is the answer. Absolutely, you're right. But he died so that he could fill you so that you could be the answer when you go into those places. Man. I am closing. I have some questions at the top of this. Who wants to be used of God? Almost every hand went up. Who wants to see revival in their family? Hands went up. Who would love to see an end to this uh, addiction problem that we're, we have in our communities? Hands went up. The problem is not the oil. Are we going to be willing vessels? Are we going to going to quit treating showing up on Sundays as just an option. Quit treating men's discipleship groups just as an option for Bible studies. Are we going to say, you know what, I'm going to get more connected. I'm going to get more of the oil inside of me so that when I go out there, I just leave a residue everywhere I go. don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to be willing and available. See, here's the thing. I'm not the greatest preacher. I know that. And I'm not the best pastor. I know that. I. The truth is this. I am so unqualified to do this. What People say, what, what schooling do you have? Um, a GED? That's it. The only thing I've got going for me is that I'm a willing vessel to be filled by Him. That's what I've got going for me. What would happen if everybody in this room today, if those watching online, if you just decided, listen, I'm tired of trying to fill the container myself. You fill me, God. What would happen if we decided that He is the most important thing in our life.